But we are uh, finishing up our series called My New Normal. And this morning, let me be real clear, it's going to get awkward. <laughs> um, and I know we have kids in here, so I'm going to be careful. But I want to ask you a question. When did you get the talk? <laughs> Do you know what talk I'm talking about? <laughs> when, at what age did you first get the talk? That talk. You know the talk I'm talking about where maybe one of your mom or your dad, they set you down and they had this awkward conversation with you and they fumbled their words and they thought, oh dear, and you thought, oh dear Jesus, just get me out of this. This is horrible. But when did you first get the talk. Um, chances are, you know, a lot of us, um, uh, I can't tell you about my first talk with my, with my dad. It went horrible and it was awkward as anything. But when did you first get your talk? Um, for a lot of us, honestly, um, we probably did not get the talk. And you may have found out about things um, uh, through your friends. You may have found out uh, things in by watching things on the TV, or you may have seen things in movies. And by the time your parents, if they sat down with you and fumbled their way through the talk, you thought, I already know more about this than you do, obviously. And, uh, but when did you first have the talk? Um, you know the talk I'm talking about, right? Just to be clear, and that we're all on the same page, we are talking about the money talk, right? <laughs> right? Listen, you dirty birds, I don't know where your mind was going this morning. It's family worship. And so, but when did you have the money talk as a family? Um, this morning, we're going to be wrapping up our series called My New Normal. And we are going to be ending it with what I think can potentially be, honestly, another awkward conversation for us to have as a family. Because most of us growing up did ne never really got the money talk where a parent or uh, our mom or dad set us down. And they talked to us about the blessings as well as the pitfalls that come with money. Chances are most of us never really got that talk. And so along the way, we have picked up certain things. We've heard parts of it and we've adopted it in there. And I'm not sure that you and I have the full scope of what God's heart is when it comes to being a steward in managing our resources. And so this morning, we're gonna have the talk. And I know... The other talk can be very awkward to have. It can be very uncomfortable to have. And the truth is, so can this talk. This talk, whenever the church, whenever a pastor talks about money, it can be very awkward and uncomfortable for us too. Because most of the time, just like the other talk, it's very personal and intimate and private. And I... I believe that that other talk, not the money talk, but that other talk, it's a beautiful gift that God gives us that's meant to be enjoyed, just like this talk. It's a beautiful gift that God gives us that's meant to be enjoyed when we do it his way.
And so this morning, can we just do this? Can we just shake off all that other stuff? The, if you come in here and you hear pastor talking about money, you shake off maybe your preconceived notions. You shake off fear. You shake off uh, anxiety. You shake off guilt or you shake off shame. It has nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about this morning. What we're talking about this morning is actually freedom. And the freedom that Jesus offers us when it comes to getting untied from our stuff. And so that's where we're going to be headed this morning. And let me be clear. I know last week I went a long time. I got really excited. This, this week I've got just one thing to say. One shift that we're going to make this morning. And, uh, but I think this one shift has the power and the potential to reorientate everything in our lives. To really set the ship right side up. And so if you want to grab your phones, you're going to need them this morning. Um, on Sunday we've been using the Bible app for the last uh, several weeks. It's been really helpful. But a little bit hard to find, and so we fixed that for you. And so if you want to grab your phones, yes, you're going to need your phones at the end of the service as well. So get out your phones and uh, open up your browser and go to connect the number two riverside.com. And if you scroll to the bottom of the page, you will see a little icon that says the Bible app. Click on the Bible app and it's going to pull up all of the notes and the scripture references for you this morning, as well as an opportunity um, to take notes, to ask questions, and to email those to yourself for later study this week. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Matthew chapter 6 is best, um, is considered the greatest sermon of all time. It's considered Jesus's greatest hit. It's called the Sermon on the Mound. And the best that we can tell, there are large crowds that have gathered from near and far and they've come in to hear this radical message about the kingdom of heaven, about the kingdom of God. And where we're jumping in our inlet this morning is when Jesus turns his attention to how we understand money and God how we understand our stuff and what our stuff has to do with the condition of our heart. And so we're going to be jumping into Matthew 6 verse 24. And before we do that, just because oftentimes money can carry with it a lot of stuff, I'm just going to pray that as we read the scriptures that we get free from our stuff or any anxiety or fear or shame or pressure that you might feel this morning. So let's pray together just as we open God's word. So God, we bless you. We love you. We know that your spirit is here. And Romans 8, 1 says, there is, now, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. There's no shame. There's no guilt because we belong to you. And God, would you right side the ship? Would you right side our heart this morning as we talk about ultimately freedom and the freedom that you offer when it comes to our finances? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, Matthew 6, starting in verse 24, it says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And we're going to pause on this verse. It says this. You cannot serve both God and and money. And Jesus is very clear about this. He says, you cannot do both. And Jesus is also laying out this principle that money is not bad. 
We need to be clear about that. Money is not a bad thing. Having resources is not a bad thing. But what Jesus is actually pointing us to is who gets to call the shots in your life. What is the thing that your life is actually aiming at? And Jesus is pointing to us to say, listen, you can't serve two masters. You can't. Because one is always going, going to win out. And when Jesus is talking about two masters here, let's be real clear, he's not condoning slavery. The whole narrative of the Bible is about bringing people out of slavery and helping them experience freedom. But what he is highlighting is just this everyday example that people would have been familiar with. It would not have worked if somebody had two people being the boss of them. It just doesn't work because it's confusing. You don't know who to listen to. I want to see a raise of hands. How many of you, if you went to college, when you were in college, did you work a job when you were in college? Did anyone have a job in college? Now, you are a perfect example of having two masters. Now, it's a perfect example of what Jesus was talking about. Let's, let's kind of digest that a little bit. Isn't it true that along the way in college, if you had multiple, if you had a job and went to school, that one of them got the better of you, Right? That one of them actually got your energy and your heart and your, uh, your commitment, and one of them kindly, kind of waned away. Yeah, we know this example. We know what it's like uh, when Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters because one of them is always going to get the better of us. When I was going through uh, seminary uh, a couple years back, uh, Fridays was my day off. And so to help pay for school, I was landscaping on Fridays and I was going to school for full time and I was working here full time. And let me be honest, there are times where I don't feel like I did any of them good. Uh, but my commitment was to let the two thirds of those things take a back seat because I wanted one of them to be the thing that got my energy in life. But Jesus is laying out this principle that only, it only works if you let one person call the shot in your life. And you know this, particularly if you have kids. We do this all of the time. How many of us, I don't have my phone on me right now, but how many of us, when you're talking to somebody, they pull out their phone and it's normal for us to say, hey, what are you talking about, huh? Yeah, hold on one second, yeah. Uh, let me tweet this, yeah, yeah. We do this all of the time. We have multiple things in our life trying to call the shots for us. We try to be in two places at the same time and Jesus is ultimately saying one of them is always going to win out. We break this rule all the time, but Jesus is laying this principle, this foundation for us that one of them is always gonna get the better of you. What I think he's, what do you think he's saying is it really, it boils down to this. It's who holds your heart? Is it your money or is it your stuff? You see, I think that's the principle that Jesus is, is, is the underlying principle in this passage is like, hey, there are different ways, there are different voices in your life, but who holds your heart? And whoever holds your heart is going to get the best of you because whatever you put first is going to put everything else in perspective. It's like we said in week one of this series, of all the yeses that you can give this time of year, there's, no, there's nothing more important than your yes back to God. 
Because when you give your first and best yes to God, it reorders everything else in your life. And now Jesus is gonna say, if that is the principle I want you to live by, let me show you why I, why God makes a bet, why God is a better place of source and security in your life than money. Look at verse 25, says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. I want you, if you're taking notes, circle how many times you see the word worry when it comes to Jesus and finances. Do you think Jesus knows the condition of our hearts? Do you think that he knows exactly what worries us and what keeps us up at night? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink uh, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? In other words, isn't life so much more important than just gathering stuff? Just the accumulation of stuff is never the fullness of life that Jesus has to offer. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or they don't reap or they don't store away in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Look up at the sky. Look at the little birdies of the sky. Do you not think that in, of all creation that you're more valuable than a little bird. Can any of you, here it is again, by worrying at a single hour to your life? Isn't that a great question? What good has any of your worry ever done you? Has it brought you peace? Has it brought you comfort? Has it brought you, oh man, I can't wait to get to sleep tonight because I'm just going to worry to death, Right? What good does your anxiety, your fear, and your uncertainty ever actually done you? And what Jesus is saying, if you have ever wondered about where you fit in the order of the position of all of creation, Jesus says, you're at the top of the list. Don't worry, I got this, I got this. Verse 28, again, and why do you worry about clothes. See how the flowers of the field, they don't labor, they spin. Yet I tell you, not even King Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if looking up doesn't convince you of the goodness of God, that he's a provider, just look down. Look at the flowers of the field. They display a beauty that cannot even be purchased. Look up, look down, everywhere you look, is a display that God is good and that he's for you and that he can be trusted with you in your future. Verse 30, listen to what it says. If that is how God clothes the fields, which is here today and t- tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more close you? This is, I, I, careful how you say this little last part. You of little faith. Now, when Jesus says you of little faith, I don't believe this is an accusation against you. It's not you of little faith, but I think it's actually an invitation. I think it's, oh, John, why are you worrying? I've got it. Like, look up, look down. Everything that you lay eyes on belongs to me. It's all mine. Why do you ever worry 
are you not more valuable than a bird? John, are you not more valuable than a little flower? Verse 31 says this. Again, so do not worry. Jesus knows the condition of our heart when it comes to finances and to taking care of ourselves. And over and over and over again, don't worry. I got you. This is on me. It's not on you. And I was thinking about that this week a little bit. Do you know how you can tell when you're growing in maturity um, in your relationship with Christ? Like how your faith is really growing deep. I think it's, I think one of the indicators is, is when you're growing, when your faith exceeds your feelings. That, yeah, I feel these things, but the voice of God in my life ultimately takes the final authority. It gets the final say. And the sign of maturity is, yeah, there's worry. There may be fear in my life, but it's gonna have to take a back seat. It's gonna have to take a back seat to what Jesus says because over and over and over again, he says, don't worry, I got you. This is okay, I want you to trust me. Verse 31, so do not worry saying, what shall I eat or what shall I drink or what shall I wear? And so if you have ever wondered just where you fit in all of the creation account, Jesus says, look up at the birds. Surely you're more valuable than they. Look down, look at the flowers. Are they not clothed with all the splendor of heaven? You, my friends, are at the top of my list. The top of my list, top of all of creation. Now, here's the question for us to consider this morning. If Jesus says that you are at the top of his list, there's only one question for us to lean into this morning. Who is at the top of yours? If Jesus places us out of everything at the top of his list, who do we place at the top of ours? This is one of the most difficult foundational truths I think that all of the Bible talks about. Like John, just stop it. John, just stop it. Stop worrying. Stop having anxiety. Like when you lay your head down at night, sleep well. I've got you. Trust in my goodness. Look at all of creation. I've got it all, John. Son, I just want you to be free of worry. Have peace. Look how it wraps up in verse 32. For the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need them even before you ask. And so what is Jesus talking about when he talks about these pagans running after all of these things? And so in those days, obviously they had, like we do today, they had all sorts of different idols. And so the people of those days, um, would have to chase all those things down, all of these different idols to satisfy those gods. But never, not once, did they ever consider, or it was it ever on the table that they could have a relationship with those type of gods. They were unknowable, unrelatable, and oftentimes even unapproachable. Because at the end of those days, because at the end of the day, those gods cared nothing about their people. And Jesus is saying, Yo, I'm not like that. You can know me. I've got you. 
You are created and designed to be in relationship with me. And look what he says as he wraps up the passage in verse 33. It says this. Here's the principle. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given unto you. And here's the principle that I want us to consider this morning. If you want to get untied from your stuff, if you want to be financially free, the principle that Jesus is teaching us here is you have to chase him and place him at the top of your list because you are at the top of his. Now, okay, are y'all okay? Y'all are quiet this morning. Are everybody tracking with me? We're good? Okay, so thanks. So here's, here's what I want us to do. What in the world does that actually look like? Yes, that is great. That's a powerful passage. But what does that actually look like in my life? If I'm going to actually do the thing that Jesus invites me to do, how, what is that actually going to look like? And here, here's, here's a principle for us that I've been thinking about um, that I think this, that gets lift, lifted right after the scripture. Um, and it's this. It says, live, save, and then give. Now, this is, I believe, kind of normal for the world, for the, the, the world that we live in. Statistically speaking, about 98% of us are in this first, I mean, with our resources, are in this first category. Like, man, I got stuff I got to do. Like, like, I've got mortgages, I've got car payments, God help us, I've got kids' sports, I've got all of these different things, I've got debt to pay, I've got school loans. Man, I have a ton of stuff, and statistically speaking, whether you're in church or not, about 98% of our resources get spent in just everyday living. That's normal. That's, that's kind of familiar to us. And then, at the end of the month, like, if there's anything left over, then... I'm going to save a little bit. So I got to live first, and then I'm going to save a little bit. If anything is left over at the end of the month, which usually there's not a whole lot, and then after I've saved and after I've uh, um, managed my money, saved a little bit, if anything is left over, then I'm going to be generous with my stuff. I call this kind of a then God mentality. Like, I got to live, I got to save, and then, God, if there's anything left over, then you're going to get whatever's left over. That is probably, you know, pretty normal. It feels pretty comfortable for a lot of us. And for what I believe that Jesus is talking about is, if you want to get free of your stuff, if you want to walk in the freedom that Jesus invites us into, there's a different paradigm I think he, he asks us to consider. And that is really different. He flips it actually woo, upside down. And he says, give, save, and live. The very first thing I'm gonna do is because God, this, this life, this job, this career, everything I have is a gift from him, I'm gonna return and he gets the first and best of everything that he entrusts me with. So I am gonna be a generous person. I'm gonna schedule my priorities and place him at the top of my list, Right? And then, whatever, after I've given, then I'm going to save some money. Like, let me be real clear. Future you 
will thank you for investing. Future you will say thank you for investing in the future because one day we all gonna get old. We're all gonna get old and future you will thank you for saving. This is where you're investing in your future and your, re- and your retirement and college funds and all of the things that are really important. And then after that, what happens is we gotta figure out the rest. That's our stuff that we just get to, that we get to live with that we get to manage, that we get to figure out, that we get to kind of figure out how we're gonna do all of the rest of the stuff that we, that we want to or that's on our agenda. I call this the God then. It's not the then God, but it's the God then. That God gets the first and the best of everything that I have. I believe everything, everything in my life I don't actually own. I just get to be the stewards of. And then I'm gonna save and then I'm gonna live. This is a God then mentality. This is the shift I believe that Jesus is inviting us into. Because isn't it often true that we do this over here? Oh dear God, you gotta bail me out. I've done it again. I bought a new car and I knew that I shouldn't have. Dear God, oh, I took that vacation. Oh man, it was awesome. How am I ever going to pay for it now? Oh, dear God, help me. You got, where's the scratch off? God, where's the lotto, right? And it's like we go to God with our problems, financial problems, but rarely ever do we consider going to God with a financial plan. This is actually, friends, is getting upstream, This is actually where we begin to take ground where we are not going to God just with our problems, which to be clear, he loves. He loves. He's he's so gracious and kind. He loves when we come to him, no matter what we bring to him. But this is actually getting upstream for us. This has the power to actually transform your priorities. If God places you on the top of his list, you're getting in rhythm with that and you're placing him at the top of yours. What would it look like for you to make a radical departure from what is normal, because this is normal, this is me, this is comfortable, this makes sense to me, and we take God serious at his invitation. What would that look like? There are, let me be clear, this community is insanely generous incredibly generous. And if you were to ask somebody in this community who has been generous and that lives kind of with this mentality, they will tell you every single time, totally worth it. Best thing I ever done with my money is I give to God first and best. It's all his. I've never met anyone that is generous with everything, with their, with their, with their finances that says, eh, not really worth it. Wouldn't recommend it. I've never met anyone. The people that live this type of mentality are free. They don't worry because they have the principle, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things, brothers and sisters, will be added on to you. And so the past four weeks, we've been giving you some homework uh, and today's gonna be no different. Um, uh, and so this last couple weeks ago, I was taking my car to get the oil changed and um, they placed that little sticker in the corner of your windshield. You know, the one that tells you when your car is going to blow up if you don't take it back to get the oil changed. And I was thinking about that and thinking about this morning for us. 
Because the truth is, when I get my oil changed, I have no idea what's going to happen over the next 90 days. No idea. I mean, I have things that are on my calendar and on my agenda that I want to get to. But in reality, I have no idea what's going to happen. And that's what's so beautiful about life. It's what's so adventurous about life is that anything is possible over those next 90 days. So here's a thought for us. What would it look like if for the next 90 days we said, okay, God, if this is new, normal for us, if we understand this, what if my new normal was choosing to do it God's way? That we were gonna reflect the very nature of God. That we were gonna be people because he's put us at the top of his list, we wanna put him at the top of our list. What if for the next 90 days, you and I, rather than like, like turning away from our finances because it's just so overwhelming that we had the courage and we took responsibility for stewarding our stuff and said, God, if this is your heart, I want in. Whether you're in middle school, whether you're in high school, whether your finances are like, man, it's so good right now. Like, I don't even worry about it. Like, it's that good. Or it's like, man, you don't even know, John. This is really difficult. I don't even know how, how I could make this shift. Wherever you are on the spectrum, what if your new normal was choosing God's best? I wonder what would happen over the next 90 days. The truth is... You don't have to wonder. It's promised. It's promised in scripture that you can walk in financial freedom by choosing God's way. Now, go to the next slide, Adam. So here's what we do. Here's what we've done. You have your phones out. You're following along. Um, and so here's what we've done for you at Riverside. Um, we have what we call the 90-day give. And all you have to do is text 90 day give to that number, the 5986622. And for the next 90 days, it's an opportunity for you to say yes, for you to prioritize doing it God's way. So what's going to happen when you text that number, uh, or text 90 day give into that number, real simply, it's going to start just taking $1,000 out of your bank account every month. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. We would never do that. Um, all it's going to do is going to take you to a, it's going to take you to a landing pad uh, on the church website. And um, it's going to give you an opportunity to sign up to be an online giver. It's better for you. It's better for us. It helps us plan and steward and strategize with all the resources at this place. And it's an opportunity for you to sign up to be an online giver. Now here, let me, let me say this. A couple things. If you have never given before, like in an ongoing, consistent, regular way, here's the deal. Just start. Just start. I don't, just start. Pick any number. Any number you want. $10. $25. Just pick a number and allow God to grow the seed of generosity in your life. Just start somewhere. This is where, this is my... I, Man, I never got the talk growing up. And so this is one of the things that I have to battle. My question is, is not, is, does God exist, but is God really good? And can I trust him with this? 
And so I've had to grow the seed of generosity and honestly, vulnerably, man, I still need to grow it. It's still a seed of generosity that I need God to, to come in and continue to grow in my life. But if you've never, just pick any number. Just pick a number. It does not matter. Just pick a number and allow God to let that be your first step. That's a win. Uh, if you've maybe been a regular giver, maybe this is an opportunity for the next 90 days for you to pray about how God might continue to grow the seed of generosity in your life. Whatever that might look like, pray, ask God, seek his heart, see what he's up to with that. Now, that's one group of people. Now, I also recognize that there are probably a lot of us that are like, that's not doable. <laughs> that's not doable, John. I don't have enough to even live right now. Bills are coming. I don't even know how I'm making rent. I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table. I don't know how I'm actually going to make this month's bottom line. I recognize that's, that's probably a good chunk of us as well. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Text in. On the bottom of the page, there is a place for you to register for what we call financial peace. It's a class that we teach around here a couple of times a year um, that talks about how to steward, how to climb out of the pit or the, the, the mountain of your finances. Like, how do I even begin to invest? How do I begin to save? What is a 401k? What's a, like, what are all those things? I don't even know how to do any of that. We gotcha. We gotcha. Financial peace is an incredibly, incredibly powerful course I want you to sign up for. In fact, there are people in my small group on Sunday night, we were practicing sharing our stories. And you know what they said? I met Jesus in Financial Peace University. I met Jesus in that class because it taught me that he was at the top, that I was at the top of his list. And now I get to make that decision as well. And so if that is you, if you're like, it's a mess, John, man, don't let your pride, don't let fear, don't let perception get in the way of you choosing God's best. I want to encourage you to do one of the two of those things. I want, let me be clear, I want the Dave Ramsey class full. So full that we actually have to offer another one because it is that powerful. We've put our best teachers in place to teach this course because we believe that freedom, getting free of our stuff is just critical. And just as we wrap it up, as I close it down this morning, this is the best time for Riverside to talk about this. Because Riverside is in a great financial place. We're like you, we're like most of you and your families. We watch every dollar, we consider, we're, we're lean, we're tight on our budgets, but we are trusted in God's provision. We do it. But there is an opportunity for you and I to say yes. This is the greatest, the greatest time for us to talk about it because we don't really need to talk about it as a church, but we need to talk about it as the body. What would happen in your life? What would happen in your family if you got free of your stuff? That as you came forward, not as somebody that's perfect, but somebody that's being transformed, that you left a legacy to your kids because you knew how to have the talk. You knew how to make the priority of the kingdom your number one thing that you're running after. That is a real invitation for you this morning. This is not about money. 
It's about value and it's about freedom. And so friends, I'm asking every one of us for one of those two options. To take the 90 day challenge and after 90 days, you're not like, man, that was awesome. I loved it. No big deal. Just check out. It's okay. Or you sign up for Dave Ramsey. I, uh, I was talking to one of my friends this morning, uh, or this last week, and I, he was asking, well, what are you talking about on Sunday? And I said, oh, dude, I'm talking about money. This is the one that kind of everybody hates talking about. I'm talking about money. He goes, oh, hey, man, I'm, I want to let you know I'm a giver. I've been, get, man, I love giving to Riverside. It's been such a great thing. In fact, I've been giving to this place a long time. And uh, he's in a small group. He's been serving. He's all in. And I'm like, thank you, man. I appreciate you telling me that. You certainly didn't have to tell me that. No, 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 John. I just wanted to let you know that I'm, I love this place. And it's one of the best things that I get to do. I love being generous. I'm like, okay, I get you. I, I, let, me, let me be honest. I don't know who gives what or how much. I don't, we have a team of people that, that steward that well. No, but John, I just want to, okay, I said, dude, he said this to me. I just want to let you know I'm not a freeloader. And I said, <laughs> I said, okay. And I called our business administrator and I said, hey, uh, take so-and-so off the freeloader list. He, he's like all in, you know. I have no, this is not between us and the, this is between you and the Lord. This is a value statement. This is, I want to get free of my stuff. I don't want to worry. Because when I look up and I look down, all of creation speaks to the goodness of God. And I can trust him with it all. So you may have noticed that we have not taken up the offering this morning. Uh, that's intentional. And so one of the things that we're going to start to do around here at Riverside uh, is we're going to do it a little differently. And uh, uh, it's a shift that I've wanted us to make for a while. Can we just be honest? It feels really awkward for you and it feels super awkward for us that when we walk down the aisle <laughs> that we're like this, huh? Do you want it? You got it? Got it? Who? Who? You got it? Oh, yep. There it is. Yeah, it wasn't a little. You want it? You got to get it. It's, it's not working. <laughs> it doesn't work. And so here's what I'm going to ask us to do. We're going to worship and close down. And that's why I think worship and offering are so beautifully tied together. It's just giving God what's already His with our hearts and with our stuff. But as we sing this morning, I want us to have a new normal where we pass the offering plate down every row, every aisle, that every one of us gets to lay hands on it. And here's the reason. It's not out of guilt. It's not out of, hey, come on, sucker. You better do something. It's not out of that. Please, please, we're shaking that off. But here's my prayer for us. As it comes around, as the offering gets passed down every row, every person, as you lay hands on it, can we do this? Can this be our new normal? God, it's all yours. We pass it by. That's powerful. That's a powerful reminder for us that whether you ever put anything in, whether you're online or wherever you are, whether you just kind of want to give and you're not even there yet, God, it's all yours. I trust you with it all. So friends, I'm going to go ahead and invite our ushers forward as we take up the morning offering. <laughs> Would you stand? We're going to worship and sing one song together as a response back to God as the offering comes around. Would you 
can we, this is not a this morning thing, but a from now on thing that as the offering comes by, our prayer is, God, it is all yours. It all belongs to you. And so let's pray. We'll sing one song and I'll close this down this morning. God, we love you. We bless you. We thank you that you have placed us as the icing on the cake, the cherry on top, the top of all creation, that your desire for us is to lay our head down at night free of worry. That we don't have to worry because you're a God that holds it all. And so, Father, right now as a community and from this day forward, God, we, we say we commit to living your best, God. That it, we have the heart to say it is all yours, God. And so, Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for the work and the life that has been changed this morning. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing and worship together as the offering comes around.